The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, the 18th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I truly tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done to you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you. The Gospel of our Lord. Grace to you all and peace from God, our Creator, and from Jesus Christ, who comes to save. Pastor Beth and I have been gearing up for this fall, and we knew this fall we were going to need to talk about race and racism and equity as a community. But we also knew that neither of the two of us are experts in that. And so we started meeting with a trainer who will be able to guide us through these conversations and give us tools to start building equity here and elsewhere. Joanne Larson is that trainer, and the three of us immediately fell into effortless conversations. We shared a lot of related life experiences and backgrounds, And we were on the same page for what the potential was for faith communities and what they can be and accomplish. And when we planned out what we hoped fall would look like, we all saw eye to eye. I thought it was wonderful that we all agreed so easily. But Joanne differed. It's nice that we approach things similarly, she said in an email, but that's actually a warning sign to me. It tells me that I'm most likely missing something, since people that are similar to me tend to overlook the same things I do, and this is why I like a community that's wide. So there's people to help challenge us in ways that make us stronger. When we talk about community at Mount Olivet, sometimes I think we idealize the concept. Community means getting along, we think. It's the joy that comes with being with others the rush you get when you are around people that you understand and trust. It's the positive experiences we share. But that's not what Jesus talks about today. Instead, Jesus tells us the truth that community always includes conflict. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't assume that his followers are going to get along. 
that despite witnessing all of his deeds of power and listening to all of his teaching and receiving the Holy Spirit breathed into them, Jesus knows that his disciples will always have conflict. And Jesus doesn't condemn this reality. He tells us how to handle it, but he doesn't condemn it. And this means that conflict is not a failure. Conflict does not mean that you are doing something wrong in your life. It is a natural part of being in relationship with someone and loving them. In fact, at its best, conflict can be an invitation to a deeper relationship with ourselves, our neighbors, and God. Joanne knew that if she were lovingly challenged on her assumptions, her approach to equity work would be strengthened, and so would she. She knew that a little bit of conflict could transform her. And that is the goal of community. We don't value community here because we want everyone to be happy. We don't value community so that each of you can meet people who are pretty much just like you. We value community as a church Because being in relationship with our neighbors is what God uses to transform us, even through conflict. See, the overall movement in our faith life is going from our small individual life to becoming part of God's life in the world. It's from living for ourselves to God living in us and through us for the sake of the world. We cannot accomplish this movement on our own. We've been saying this every week this summer. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. And part of that captivity is getting stuck inside our own minds and our own worldviews and the version of reality that we wish we were living in. And so God gives us our neighbor and gives us to our neighbor so that we can pull each other out of ourselves and into God's life in the world. And because God is big and strong, God can use all sorts of moments within our relationships to transform us. Moments of connection and empathy, moments of joy and hilarity, and yes, even moments of conflict. We put a Black Lives Matter sign on our church property last week. And we know that some of you and some of our neighbors were surprised or upset or had questions. Some of you thought we were being a little bit divisive. Some of you thought that we were failing to be a welcoming community by putting a sign with a slogan that is difficult for some of us to say. And if what community is about 
is keeping everyone happy and the positive feeling we get when we're together and it's easy, then yes, we absolutely failed. But Jesus suggests today that community is about more than that. It's not about our comfort. It's about our transformation, the kind that happens when we are in relationships that are real. We place the sign in the hopes that it will transform us, even through the little discomfort or tension you might feel right now. But we also place the sign because in a larger sense, we are right now unable to be transformed through our neighbors across society, to receive our neighbors as gifts and to draw each other out of ourselves and into God's life in the world. And we can't do it because of the continued existence and power of racism. Let's be clear. The sign isn't what's divisive. Racism is. Racism is what truly divides us. It keeps us apart from one another and keeps some of us locked in misery. But because it's been happening since before any of us was born, we have grown up accustomed to it. It's the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in. It's so normalized that pointing it out and taking action against it feels more divisive and controversial. It feels harder than continuing to live lives divided by racism. Martin Luther King knew this. In his letter from a Birmingham jail, he responded to critics who said he was stirring up trouble and introducing tension into the community. And he said this, We are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. We bring it out into the open where it can be seen and dealt with. Like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. So injustice must be exposed before it can be cured. This is why we put up the Black Lives Matter sign. We want church to be a place where we can bring things out into the open so that they can be cured, even when it's hard. We did it because we trust that what community is about is being real enough to stay in relationship in all things, even when it's hard or uncomfortable, because we trust that even the discomfort, even in that tension, God is active, showing up with a grace that can transform. And so if you are surprised or upset or have questions about the Black Lives Matter sign, that is okay. That is part of the process. Nobody has failed here. Not you for having questions, not us for putting up the sign. 
what we are doing is sitting on an opportunity to be transformed if we let it. And your questions are a part of that. Though I do want to clear up a couple misconceptions I've heard over the past couple of weeks. Real quick, Black Lives Matter is a movement. It's not an organization. It's not a formal organization. It's not a political entity. It does not endorse candidates. We're not putting our nonprofit status at risk here. In fact, Black Lives Matter has been embraced as a cause by figures from both political parties and non-political folks as well. And finally, saying that Black Lives Matter actually says nothing about how we feel about law enforcement. In fact, we have a pretty good relationship with Plymouth's police and fire departments, and we've been moved by the ways they've joined us to respond to domestic violence, and mental illness, homelessness, and even bike safety. And we know that law enforcement live with a lot of trauma too. Listen, it's understandable why some of you have these questions and why we need to talk about this in a sermon. There is a lot, a lot of malicious disinformation out there, and it's designed to stir up fear and anger and chaos. And this is why we need to be talking about these things. This is why we need to be community together. If we aren't talking to each other, we tend to find ways to entrench ourselves in what we already believe, to feed ourselves an information diet that only confirms our existing biases, and we are never transformed, and we never get around to tackling the big things that divide us, like racism. So if you're still struggling or confused about the Black Lives Matter sign, reach out and talk to me or Pastor Beth or our church council or our racial equity team or register for From Moment to Movement. Listen and follow what Jesus says today. When there is conflict, go to the person. Speak with honesty, listen deeply. That's what Christian community does. It dares to trust that Jesus' words this morning are true. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And consider that. Jesus doesn't say, First, you have to agree about everything, and then I'll show up. He doesn't say, yes, I'll be with you, but only if you're having a good time and avoiding the hard stuff. He simply says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. In conflict, in discomfort, in the difficult facing up to the ugly boils of racism and injustice, Jesus is with us when we gather in community. And when Jesus is with us, he never stays still. 
Jesus brings us his grace that will not leave us alone, a grace that transforms us and sets us on a new path, a grace that affirms our worth and gives us courage to affirm the worth of our neighbors, a grace that heals wounds and breathes hope into dreams and overcomes injustice. A grace that brings us outside of ourselves and into God's life in the world. May God send you neighbors, and through those neighbors, grace. Amen.